On January 7, 1989, after months of deteriorating health, Japan's Emperor Hirohito succumbed to cancer. His eldest son, Akihito, succeeded him as Emperor of Japan and received three legendary treasures in his enthronement ceremony claimed to be heirlooms from Amaterasu, the sun goddess. The treasures represented three primary virtues. The Yata no Kagami, a mirror representing wisdom. The Yasakani no Magatama, a jewel representing benevolence. And finally, the Kusanagi no Tsurugi, or simply Kusanagi, the legendary grass-cutter sword representing valor. A sword whose legacy is so entrenched in both folklore and history, when handed to the newly enthroned emperor, it was literally shrouded in mystery, wrapped in packaging so not even the emperor knew its true appearance. And making it very hard to verify if the sword was the same one wielded by the first emperor of Japan around 2,600 years ago. The legendary sword's past is riddled in enough mystery and inconsistency to question whether there was anything at all in the folds of the bundle handed to Emperor Akihito. Hi, I'm Molly. And I'm Richard. Welcome to Gone, the show where we search for everything missing. Every other Monday, we examine mysterious disappearances and the theories they spawned. From the Amber Room to Michael Rockefeller, Picasso paintings to the Etruscan language, the Roanoke colony to the lost Russian cosmonauts. If it's gone, we're looking for it. And this week, we brought in some extra help with our search, our friend Vanessa. Hi, everyone. I'm Vanessa. I host ParCast's newest podcast, Mythology, where we delve into the myths and legends that shaped humanity. Vanessa is joining us today to help explain the mythology connected to this fascinating sword and its role in Japanese folklore. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to explore the myths around the famous sword. You can find previous episodes of Gone, as well as Mythology, and all of ParCast's other podcasts on your favorite podcast directory. Some of you have been asking how you can support Gone. Well, if you enjoy the show, the best way to support us is to leave a five-star review wherever you listen. All right, let's dive in. Today, we'll be looking into a sword whose storied past puts even the legendary Excalibur to shame. But unlike its Arthurian counterpart, the alleged location of the Kusanagi is supposedly well-known, the Atsuda Shrine in Nagoya. However, no one alive has actually seen the sword. Some believe the sword handed to Emperor Akihito during his enthronement ceremony in 1989 is only a replica of the original. Some go so far as to claim that the sword never existed. According to Shinto beliefs, the sword was created 1.8 million years ago in the Age of the Gods, and since 660 BCE, the sword has supposedly been passed down from emperor to emperor for 2,600 years. That leaves us with a convoluted history, intertwining myth and historical fact. So the truth behind the Kusanagi's location lies somewhere between myth and history. Our first theory as to the Kusanagi's location is that the sword is where the Japanese government claims it resides, in the Atsuta Shrine in Nagoya, kept hidden by the Shinto priests for its own protection. 
In this theory, it's only gone from the public eye. Theory two is a classic disappearance. It posits the sword was lost at sea during the Battle of Danura. The sword, then, is at the bottom of the ocean, somewhere within the Kanman Straits. Theory three is that the sword never existed. It was merely a story to connect the imperial family to the divine. After all, this is a sword that's been passed down from emperor to emperor for a couple of millennia. It's curious that in all that time, there wasn't a definitive description of the sword's appearance. The fact that even the emperor doesn't know what it looks like lends credence to the theory that the sword isn't in the shrine. We may not know for sure what the sword looks like, but there is some speculation. The kusanagi is often mistaken for a katana due to portrayals in Japanese anime and film. In many ways, it makes sense. The katana is one of the most popular styles of swords, and its appearance is iconic. Other legendary swords from Japan, like the Jojigiri, the blade that killed the demon, Shuten Doji, and Hanjo Masamune, forged by legendary swordsmith Masamune, were katanas. However, earliest records of the katana show that the sword's style came to prominence in the Muramaki period, an era spanning from 1336 to 1573 CE. This was a good 1,200 years after the sword arrived in the Atsuta Shrine in 121 CE, meaning the kusanagi is likely not a katana. But there are clues to the sword's appearance hidden within its name. Like katana, the Japanese word tsurugi denotes a specific type of sword. Kusanagi no tsurugi roughly translates to grass cutter sword. Edward Gilbertson, a Japanese art collector from the 19th century, says, quote, Japanese authorities are, I think, agreed in stating that the oldest form of their swords is the tsurugi. It is a two-edged sword with a heart-shaped point rather than the part next to the hilt and with a groove or flat down the center, end quote. The tsurugi differs from the katana in that it is double-bladed, resembling a European longsword. This means that both edges of the blade are sharp and symmetrical, making it harder to unsheathe compared to the katana. Eyewitness accounts corroborate that the kusanagi is indeed a tsurugi sword. In 1725, a Shinto priest named Matsuoka Masanao claimed he saw the sword within the Atsuta shrine. In his description, he states, quote, the sword was about 84 centimeters long, shaped like calamus. The middle of the sword had a thickness, and from the grip, about 18 centimeters is like a fish spine, fashioned in a white metallic color and well-maintained, end quote. The priest's description confirms that the kusanagi is a flat, double-edged sword reminiscent of early surugi swords dating far earlier than the katana. Now that we've described what we're looking for, we'd like to point out that most of the information regarding the Kusanagi sword was taken from the Nihon Shoki and Kojiki, two of the oldest chronicles of Japanese history, completed in 720 and 712 CE, respectively. While later chapters of both books do cover the reigns of historical Japanese emperors, the early chapters go into detail about early creation myths, covering stories about gods and monsters. This leaves the historical accuracy of these books up to debate. 
Though both books were finished by the 700 CE, information for them was compiled from stories centuries before. The Kofun period, an era spanning 250 to 538 CE, is where we find the earliest written records of Japanese history. These early writings corroborate the existence of these later emperors, so it is widely assumed the first 14 emperors of Japan written about in the two books are legends, and all records, beginning with Emperor Ojin's reign in 270 CE and after, are more historically accurate. To better grasp these sections of the book, let us divide the Nihon Shoki and the Kojiki stories into three separate eras. The Age of Gods era covers stories from the beginning of time regarding Shinto gods and creation myths millions of years before the first emperor of Japan is crowned. The Legendary Emperors era from 660 BCE to 270 CE covers emperors who may or may not have existed and should be considered legends as opposed to historical figures. And finally, the historical emperor's era, starting from 270 CE onwards, that covers what is widely agreed upon by scholars as emperors that actually existed. In each of these distinct eras, the legendary grass-cutter sword makes an appearance, meaning to unwrap the truth of the Kusanagi and its known whereabouts, we have to jump through myths and historical fact. We need to go back to the very beginning to the sword's origin, back to the age of the gods, when the banished god, Susano, found the legendary sword inside the tail of an eight-headed serpent. The Nihon Shoki tells the story of Susano, the god of storms, roaming the earth after he was banished from the heavens by his sister, the sun goddess Amaterasu, around 1.8 million years ago. In his travels, Susano wandered to the province of Izumo, a southern region facing the Sea of Japan. There, he came upon an old man and woman crying beside their young daughter. Seeing this, Susano asked, why do you weep? The old man responded, Year after year, an eight-headed serpent comes to our lands to devour one of our daughters. The serpent took seven of them, and time approaches for our last daughter to be sacrificed. Enchanted by the girl's beauty, Susano offered to stop the serpent in exchange for their daughter's hand in marriage. Seeing no other way to save their daughter from the hungry beast, the old man and woman promptly agreed to the arrangement. Susano then requested the old couple build eight cupboards and place a tub filled with sake, rice wine, in each of them. When the time came, the serpent's eight heads, none of which were opposed to a free drink, went inside each of the cupboards, drinking the sake with reckless abandon. The serpent, as planned, passed out from all the drinking. Then Susano chopped the beast into tiny little pieces. However, while cutting the serpent's tail, he noticed a notch in his sword and decided to investigate further. Inside the flesh of the tail, the storm god found a sword. He took it and named it Ameno Murakumo no Tsurugi, translated as Sword of the Gathering Clouds of Heaven. This was because the clouds swirled above the eight-headed serpent after it was slain. Happy that Susano saved their daughter, the old couple gave their blessing, and the storm god married their daughter. But Susano did not keep the sword. He gazed upon it and said, This is a divine sword. 
how can I presume to appropriate it to myself? He decided to give the sword to his estranged sister, Amaterasu, goddess of the sun, as a sort of apology for destroying her imperial rice fields and, well, leaving excrement on her grand seat. What makes this fairy tale particularly fascinating isn't its historical accuracy. Far from it. Take note that the god of storms was not worthy to wield the legendary sword. Yet human emperors eventually were worthy. Think not then of the story as proof of the sword's creation, but proof that the sword held symbolic importance to the imperial family. When the Nihon Shoki was written in 720 CE, it is believed a sword was kept in the Atsuda Shrine. These creation myths were written to bridge the physical sword's connection to the emperors who wielded it. According to Japanese study scholar Nellie Nauman, the stories of the Kusanagi, along with the other imperial regalia of Japan, are embellished to connect the Japanese imperial family to the divine and legitimize their claim to the throne. Nauman says, quote, These stories are recorded to verify and ensure the legitimacy of the ruling house from every possible angle. Thus, these stories are not only densely interwoven to form the desired pattern, but they're also corrected, which means they may have been distorted, mutilated, or supplemented, end quote. And indeed, the Kojiki, the oldest book chronicling Japanese history, says that Susano gave the sword to Amaterasu, who passed it on to her grandson, Ninigi. Emperor Jimu, the first emperor of Japan, and all following legendary emperors, claim descent from Ninigi. Thus, members of the imperial family are supposedly descendants of the goddess Amaterasu. Now, trying to track the history of the Kusanagi is like following the clues in an Agatha Christie novel. They show up in bits and pieces within the story, with some moments that act as red herrings and other clues that are crucial to the story. That is to say, though they are few and far between, the imperial history of Japan is peppered with important cameos from the Kusanagi. And when the sword appears next, you'll see that the Kusanagi doesn't just move clouds. In fact, it has the ability to curse those that are in close contact with it, causing people to grow violently ill and eventually die. Its casualties include numerous Shinto priests and even an emperor. We'll find out more about that curse after the break. Now, back to the story. When we last saw the Kusanagi, Susano, the god of storms, gave it to his sister, Amaterasu, after he found it hidden within the tail of an eight-headed serpent. Amaterasu then gave the sword to the imperial family on Earth, who passed it down through the generations. According to the Kogo Shui, in 30 BCE, Emperor Sujin, the 10th emperor of Japan, felt uneasy living under the same roof as the legendary sword, which was still called the Sword of the Gathering Clouds of Heaven. Feeling the sword's divine power influencing him, the emperor ordered the sword to be moved to Kasanui, a village not too far from the imperial palace, and had copies made of the original. 
this is the first time replicas of the sword are mentioned, and it opens up the possibility that the original sword is not the same as the one wrapped in bundles at the 1989 ceremony. It's clear that the sword and the Japanese throne are undeniably linked together in legend. These legends purposely connect the sword to the throne. This is most apparent in the stories of Yamato Takaru, set 140 years after Emperor Sujin moved the sword to Kasanui village. Yamato Takaru existed in the legendary emperor's era as well, and his heroic deeds are often compared to King Arthur or the labors of Hercules in scope. Accounts of the prince often include battles with deities taking the form of mountains and inheriting weapons of great power. The year was 110 AD. Yamato Takaru was sent by his father to the east of the country to subdue rebels. Fearing the warrior's wrath, the rebels tricked the young prince to enter a field, which they set ablaze. Instead of running out of the field, Yamato Takaru unsheathed the legendary sword, a gift from priestess Yamato Hime no Mikoto, and sliced the grass. The sword was so powerful, one slice was able to move the winds and extinguish the flames. Henceforth, the Sword of the Gathering Clouds of Heaven was renamed the Grasscutter Sword, Kusanagi no Tsurugi. Some versions of this story even claim that the Kusanagi had a mind of its own. In those versions, the Kusanagi unsheathed itself to stop the fire, almost as if to protect the prince from any harm. In one of his later adventures, also chronicled in the Nihon Shoki and Kojiki, the prince climbed up Mount Ibuki to slay a deity, curiously leaving the legendary Kusanagi sword behind with his new wife, Miyazu Hime. The strain of fighting a mountain deity made the legendary prince grow ill, and he died in Nobo, never becoming emperor. The sword was left with his grieving widow. At this point in the story, the Nihon Shoki states, the cross sword Kusanagi is now in the shrine of Atsuta in the district of Ayuchi in the province of Ohari, roughly in the year 121 CE. One could surmise that the Kusanagi's whereabouts are entirely fictitious. After all, Yamato Takaru and all Kusanagi sightings so far are considered legends and not historical fact. But the sword shows up again within the historical emperor's era, 500 years later. Meaning, sources in 668 CE can confirm the sword's existence and whereabouts during that time. In this later chapter of the Nihon Shoki, the Atsuta Shrine and Kusanagi are mentioned again. The year was 668 CE. It is the reign of Emperor Tenshi, the 38th Emperor of Japan. The Nihon Shoki states, quote, In this year, the Buddhist priest Dogyo stole the Kusanagi sword and escaped with it, making for Silla, a kingdom in the Korean peninsula. But wind and rain so perplexed him on his way that he came back again, end quote. It's not clear in this passage if the sword was stolen from the Atsuta shrine or the imperial palace. But according to the Nihon Shoki, 18 years later in 686 CE, Emperor Tenmu, the 40th emperor of Japan, had the sword moved from the great palace back to the Atsuta shrine. The Nihon Shoki states, quote, 
It was ascertained by divination that the emperor's disease was owning to a curse from the Kusanagi sword, the same day it was sent to the shrine of Atsuta in Wuhari and deposited there, end quote. Emperor Tenmu died that same year. Those close to him claimed the very sword that once protected his ancestors killed him with a curse. This is the first recording of the sword's cursed nature, but not the last. The Nihon Shoki and Kojiki do not give an explanation as to why these people believed the sword cursed the emperor. But there are only three recorded incidents where people felt uneasy or unwell around the sword's presence. The first was Emperor Sujin in 30 BCE, causing him to create replicas of the sword. But he did not grow ill or die, only feeling uneasy when in the presence of the sword. The second incident was Emperor Tenmu in 686 CE, who is the first to purportedly die from the Kusanagi's curse. The third and final incident was the Shinto priest Matsuoka Masanao, who, as mentioned earlier, gave us our only physical description of the sword in 1725 CE. It's reported that shortly after he witnessed the sword, several priests within the shrine died unexplainably. In all these instances, the sword was away from the Atsuta shrine, or in the case of the Shinto priest, out of its packaging. So perhaps the sword does not like to be awakened, preferring to stay in the Atsuta shrine within its layers of packaging. That is, if you believe in the sword's mystical powers, of course. Emperor Tenmu died in 686 CE. Regardless if you believe the emperor's death was caused by the sword's power or simply by an undiagnosed ailment, it gives us an idea of how the sword was used from the year 686 CE and onwards. It was not something to be used in battle, but was instead a symbol, something to be treasured. Emperor Tenmu's wife, Empress Jito, ascended to the throne in 690 CE, and with it, we see the first recorded use of the sword in an enthronement ceremony. The Nihon Shoki states, quote, a spirit medium delivered to the empress consort the divine seal, sword, and mirror. The empress consort accordingly assumed the imperial dignity. End quote. The Nihon Shoki then offers a definitive location of the Kusanagi, the Atsuta shrine. Though the book shows the sword may have moved locations from time to time, there's no question, according to these records, where it was primarily kept. This is reinforced by the fact that the Nihon Shoki was completed in 720 CE, only 34 years after the sword was returned to the Atsuta Shrine in 686 CE. Historical information compiled for the book weren't taken from stories centuries away, but from stories within the compiler's lifetime. But as noted earlier, copies of the sword were made as early as 30 BCE to be used during enthronement ceremonies. So is it possible that there is no original Kusanagi? Most scholars believe the sword handed down in modern ceremonies is only a copy of the original. Nellie Nauman writes, quote, The sword presented to Emperor Akihito is not by any means the original sword. The original sword is supposed to be treasured in the Atsuta Shrine, while a copy was kept and handed down by the emperors, end quote. The common belief among scholars, then, is there are two swords. 
the original kept hidden in the Atsuda Shrine, and the replica, made as early as 30 BCE, used in enthronement ceremonies. However, this still means that an original sword exists that copies were based off of, an original sword kept safe in the Atsuda Shrine. But what if it isn't there? Yes, all three texts, the Nihon Shoki, Kojiki, and Kogo Shue, agree that the Kusanagi was in the Atsuta Shrine by at least 686 CE, but the Nihon Shoki and Kojiki only cover history up until 697 CE, leaving yet another gap in Kusanagi's timeline from then till now. As we continue to unravel the sword's history, we'll find that, perhaps, the original Kusanagi isn't safe and sound in the Atsuda Shrine after all. This is all thanks to a great war and the rise of the aristocratic warrior class known as the Samurai. We jump again 491 years to the year 1177 CE, where two warring factions of Samurai fought for the imperial lines. The imperial family had become too big, Emperors had dozens of children, and to cut costs, these family members were removed from the royal line and given last names either Taira or Minamoto. This meant they were no longer part of the royal line as members of the royal family did not have last names. However, these clans, the Taira and Minamoto, were strong warriors with political agendas. The emperor would hire them for military expansion, and their success eventually backfired. These warrior clans were the early versions of the samurai, and over time, they grew through their military campaigns and strategic alliances. As they expanded, both the Taira and Minamoto began to wish for control of the emperor's throne. This came to a head when Emperor Takakura was forced to abdicate the throne by Taira no Kiyomori, a member of the Taira samurai clan. Taira no Kiyomori placed his two-year-old son, Antoku, as emperor. As done centuries earlier, the Kusanagi sword was passed on to him in his enthronement ceremony, thus legitimizing his reign and giving the Taira samurai clan total control of the Japanese empire. This did not sit well with members of the Minamoto clan, who believed Prince Mochishito, brother of Emperor Takakura, was the rightful heir to the throne. Prince Mochishito called the Minamoto clan to arms to fight against the Taira clan and claim what they believed to be their rightful place on the throne. In 1180 AD, the Genpei War began over the succession to the emperor's throne. The longest account and main source of history of the Genpei War is the tale of Heikei, a compilation of stories completed 185 years after the war ended. To put this in perspective, the Nihon Shoki, where we found most of the accounts regarding the Kusanagi, was written in 720 CE, recalling over a millennia of stories, not including the creation myths. Still, the text is often compared in presentation to the Greek Iliad. Both the Iliad and the tale of Heike are viewed just as much a work of literature as they are documents of history. But instead of an epic poem as the Iliad is, the tale of the Heike is an epic prose, chronicling the fate of the Tyra and Minamoto clans through collected stories. 
The tale also chronicles the final fate of the Kusanagi and gives us our second theory to the sword's whereabouts. The account describes the final battle between the Taira and Minamoto armies in the year 1185, five years into the war. The Battle of Donora occurred in the location now known as the Kanman Straits, with neither side showing advantage over the other. Tanso, the head of the Kamano region, was obligated to take his naval forces and aid the Taira clan at sea, but he hesitated to decide which side he should support in the battle. The generals of the Taira clan were ruthless, but he was devoted to the imperial line which the Taira clan held. He decided to ask the heavens who he should support and visited the shrine of Ikumano for seven days. He felt the deity told him to support the opposing side, the Minamoto clan, but still unsure, he tried one more test. He took seven white chickens, representing the white banner of the Minamoto clan, and seven red ones. Red was the banner color of the Taira clan and held a cockfight. All seven white chickens were victorious. Tanso believed this was no doubt a sign from the deity that he should support the white banners of the Minamoto clan, and so took his 2,000 men and 200 ships to the Kanman Straits. When Tanso and his ships arrived to the battle, both clans welcomed him. But the Taira clan soon realized that Tanso was in support of the white banner. To make things worse, Kono Noshiro Mishinobu, head of the Kono clan and ally to the Minamoto clan, came with 150 more ships. The Genpei War was almost over, and the Taira clan, now outnumbered, was on the losing side. The emperor and the Kusanagi were in danger. We'll find out how the war played out after the break. Now, back to the story. The Battle of Danura in 1185 CE was almost at an end. The Taira clan faced defeat by the hands of the Minamoto clan and their allies. According to the tale of the Heike, all three sacred treasures, the jewel, mirror, and Kusanagi sword, were in the imperial vessel out at sea during the Battle of Danura. The ship also held the now eight-year-old emperor and Toku and his caring grandmother, Ni Dono. The Minamoto fleet was able to catch up to the imperial vessel and its accompanying ships. Minamoto samurai reportedly boarded many of the Taira ships, shooting and cutting down the sailors with their bows, arrows, and swords. In the imperial vessel, Ni Dono, knowing defeat was imminent, grabbed the sacred jewel and kusanagi and took the young emperor by his arms to the upper edge of the boat. The young child was unsure why his grandmother was crying, but she hugged the emperor and said, quote, There is a pure land of happiness beneath the waves, another capital where no sorrow is. Thither it is that I am taking our Lord. In the depths of the ocean we have a capital, End quote. Those were Nidono's final words before she flung herself and the young emperor to the bottom of the sea, taking the sacred jewel and kusanagi with her. According to the tale of Heike, the other two imperial regalia, the jewel and mirror, were later recovered and returned to the capital city. But the kusanagi was never recovered and is still at the bottom of the Kanman Straits. 
It's interesting to note that the remaining imperial regalia, the jewel and mirror, are just as important as the Kusanagi, as all three create the imperial regalia passed down in ceremony. The mirror of Yata, Yata no Kagami, and sacred jewel, Yasakani no Magatama, are similarly hidden in the Issei Jingu Shrine in the city of Issei, just a three-hour drive from Osaka. Like the sword, both treasures are purportedly heirlooms from Amaterasu, the sun goddess. In the Age of Gods, Amaterasu was upset with her brother Susano, who destroyed her fields. She hid in a cave so that no one would bother her. Because of her absence, the heavens were pitch black. A mirror and jewel were placed outside the cave to draw her out so she could bring back light to the world. Seeing her own beautiful face in the reflection and the mesmerizing jewel, she was drawn out of the cave and light was restored to the heavens. According to the tale of the Heike, the jewel and mirror are the same ones recovered from the oceans and returned to the capital city after the Battle of Danura. And according to historians, there's no doubt that at least the sacred jewel, the Yasakani no Magatama, is an original. Is it so far-fetched, then, to believe that originals of the mirror and sword existed as well? To recap, the first theory is the Kusanagi never left the Atsuda Shrine during the Genpei War, and that, to this day, it still is under the protection of the Shinto priests in Nagoya. We can't confirm this because the Shinto priests cover the sword in packaging, and revealing the sword causes people to go ill. So, it stays protected and under wraps. The second theory is the original Kusanagi was in the imperial vessel during the Battle of Danora, meaning it is still at the bottom of the sea in the Kanmen Straits, waiting for somebody from the imperial line to reclaim it. But a third theory is possible. The Kusanagi never existed. Sure, there's a physical sword that's been used in enthronement stories, but it's possible these swords are simply fakes. It's been established that since 30 BCE, replicas were made. But perhaps there's no original sword. All swords are merely symbolic of the legendary sword found in stories, a replica of a sword that has no original. Indeed, that story is more believable than ancient curses, eight-headed serpents, and even the fact that the sword was able to survive 2,678 years from the first emperor of Japan until now, not counting its unlikely existence 1.8 million years ago in the Age of the Gods. And with the Shinto priests in the Atsuta Shrine unwilling to show the sword to the public, one can assume maybe they haven't seen the sword in person. After all, the sword is shrouded in packaging, Maybe there isn't even a sword there at all. And with only one eyewitness account from 1725, it's hard to believe that the sword ever existed. Yet even today, there are those that claim the sword still exists, still residing in the Atsuta Shrine, even in the 2000s. By 2012, a lot had changed for the Japanese imperial family since 1185 and the Genpei War. The imperial line no longer held any political or military power, and Akihito had been emperor for 23 years. Emperor Akihito acted as a symbol of Japan's unity, spending his time promoting an era of peace. 
But his health was deteriorating, and many said he had heart problems. The emperor doesn't have any official political power in Japan, but he is very popular with the people, and he's very quiet, and he has looked a little bit fragile in recent years because he's had some sicknesses. Japanese media reports say that he will be getting tests on his heart. There may be possible deficient blood supply to his heart. He has displayed some symptoms after he did some light exercise. On February 18, 2012, Emperor Akihito underwent a successful heart bypass surgery. He made a full recovery, but many believed his heart problems sparked a desire in him to abdicate the throne. Four years later, on August 7, 2016, Emperor Akihito made a rare television address to the people of Japan. He stated, quote, I am already 80 years old, and fortunately, I am now in good health. However, when I consider that my fitness level is gradually declining, I am worried that it may become difficult for me to carry out my duties as the symbol of the state with my whole being, as I have done until now." End quote. Many saw this as the emperor's intent to abdicate, something that had not been done in 200 years. And indeed, on December 1st, 2017, Emperor Akihito announced he would step down as emperor on April 30th, 2019, with his eldest son, Naruhito, ascending to the throne. Then, on May 1st, 2019, Akihito, now holding the title of Joko, or retired emperor, will have the honor of viewing his son, Naruhito, receiving the three imperial regalia of Japan. And like his father's enthronement ceremony, the kusanagi will be shrouded in packaging, grasped in his hand but unseen, a symbol of valor. But why not visit the sword now? I mean, the Atsuta Shrine still stands today, open to the public, and the Shinto priests there do claim that the sword is under their care. The sword, however, isn't and never will be open to the public. And since the Kusanagi made its appearance in 1989, we have no way of knowing if it's actually there, short of moving to the Atsuta Shrine and becoming one of its Shinto priests who, again, haven't seen it. Nagoya, the city where the shrine is located, is in between Tokyo and Kyoto. The shrine itself welcomes almost 6.5 million people annually. Like most Shinto shrines, guests enter through the tori, a traditional Japanese wooden gate. Inside, you'll see a small water pavilion called a temizuya, where you wash your hands and mouth to purify yourself before going inside the shrine. The shrine itself consists of numerous buildings renovated for modern sensibilities since much of the original shrine was destroyed during World War II. The buildings, though modern, have large gable roofs made of wood, taking inspiration from the Shinmei-Zukuri architecture of the Ise Grand Shrine, the home of the sacred mirror. There are numerous places of worship and ritual within the shrine, which even includes a wedding hall, tea ceremony houses, and a treasure exhibition hall. The treasure exhibit, called Atsure Jingu Museum, holds over 4,000 historical items, including furniture, clothing, masks, and swords. But don't hold your breath. The kusanagi isn't held here either. 
Every May 4th, the shrine holds the Ayodo Shinji Festival. The Shinto priests celebrate the return of the sword to the shrine in 686 CE with a lengthy ceremony that includes a hidden mask. This ceremony is open for the public to view. The next day, May 5th, is the Shinyo Togyo Shinji Festival. In it, the shrine's priesthood reenact the Kusanagi's return to the shrine. So, is the legendary Kusanagi in the bottom of the ocean? Is the sword in the Asuda shrine a replica? Does it really matter? Like the emperor itself, the Kusanagi is a symbol of the Japanese people passed on from generation to generation, representing the bloodshed, the unity, the valor of Japan. Plus, with the sword's legacy of cursing and killing those that look at it, like an Indiana Jones movie, do you really want to be in its presence? I mean, even the biggest skeptic amongst us should be at least a little cautious, right? Though we've explained three theories of the Kusanagi's whereabouts, it's our belief that the sword is kept hidden in the Atsuda Shrine. Whether the sword existed in the Age of Gods is up for debate. But the Nihon Shoki and Kojiki both state the sword was hidden in the Atsuta Shrine by 686 CE, and the Shinto priests claim it is there as well, hidden to protect not just the sword, but also the people who are within the vicinity of it. Let's keep in mind, the last two times it was outside its packaging, its curse killed an emperor in 686 CE, and in 1725 CE, it mysteriously killed several Shinto priests. It's probably best to keep the sword hidden within the Atsuda Shrine. And so the legendary Kusanagi no Tsurugi waits. From inside the tail of an eight-headed serpent, the sword has traveled far and now resides in a wooden box somewhere in the grounds of the Atsuta Shrine, waiting to be handed to its next emperor, reinforcing and continuing the legacy of Japan's imperial family. Thanks for tuning in to Gone. If you want to find more episodes or any of ParCast's other podcasts, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, CastBox, TuneIn, or your favorite podcast directory. That's also where you can hear more from our guest host, Vanessa. Her new podcast, Mythology, explores humanity's most powerful and enduring myths. Thanks, Richard. We've explored some fascinating topics on mythology already, and there's even more great subjects coming up. Thanks for helping us hunt down the Kusanagi no Tsurugi, Vanessa. It was my pleasure. Many of you have asked us how you can help the show. If you enjoy the show, the best way to do that is to leave a five-star review. You can also tell us your theories on Facebook and Instagram at Parcast, on Twitter at Parcast Network, or at Parcast.com. We'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Just because it's gone doesn't mean it can't be found. Gone and Mythology were created by Max Cutler, are a production of Cutler Media, and are part of the Parcast Network. They are produced by Max and Ron Cutler, sound designed by Carrie Murphy, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro and Paul Mahler, additional production assistance by Maggie Admire and Carly Madden, this episode was written by Mike Nevada and stars Molly Brandenburg, Richard Rosner, and Vanessa Richardson.